What's shaking? Hey, I'm Rick Jordan. Today, we're going all in. I have one of the best guests ever for you today. This amazing woman is behind some of the most iconic artist social media marketing, including, like no joke, the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Camina, ah, I'll cut that part out because I, I can't, I just didn't even pronounce her name right. Camilla Cabello, maybe I won't, now it just sounds funny. All right, but an original fangirl whose tween admiration for the Backstreet Boys led her at age 12 to create a newsletter. That's where all this started, and I am pleased to welcome a Forbes 30 under 30, Cassie Petrie. What's shaking? Hi, thank you for Hi. having me and thank you for the nice intro. It's uh you've got so much that you've done, so much that you're doing. It's it's incredible. And it, you know, how do you how do you do that? Because I mean, I'm I read maybe like a fourth of your bio, you know, and said <laughs> as the intro. I get that too. They're like, I, you know, I spoke at Vcon this last week and they're like, "Hey, can we just like say this about you because we like this and not read the whole thing?" I'm like, "Absolutely. That's what it's there for." But how do you even choose what to put in in yours? Well, so I, I mean, I had a, a bio writer help me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I didn't, well, somebody else know, did. <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, sometimes when I'm having problems making decisions, it's just easier to have somebody else do it. Yeah. Um, well, just like this, like right? Hired. I just read what I read. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, just, you know, have somebody else do it, especially when it's about yourself. It's really hard. Like I can help other people all day long, figure out like what should go in their bio, what should go in their Instagram bio, what they should and shouldn't put on their website. But when you're doing it for yourself, it's, it's different. It's, you really do need extra perspective. It is very strange. Isn't it trying to do that for yourself? Cause I, I was on yeah. news nation yesterday and they're like, what do you want your lower third to say? They're like, we have, we have founder and CEO of reach out technology. I'm like, what am I talking about? They're like, well, today we just want you to talk about just anything general in the news. Like, like the, the person who wanted the screaming baby off the plane. I'm like, well, I don't think reach out technology is going to match that. They're like, yeah. well, how about, how about host of the all in podcast? I'm like, I suppose you're like, it's like, well, what do I say about myself? How do I describe myself? I get you totally. Yeah. It's yeah. Other people's perspective can really help in those situations. No doubt. No, no joke. The funny thing is when I went on their lower third to cybersecurity experts, something I didn't even tell them to put on there, but they just threw that up there. Anyways, have you ever had that? Have you ever had somebody just like throw something completely irrelevant about you? Like out of context? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Especially with, um, I think with my clients too, media is so quick, so fast, so short form. There's, you have such little time. And so things, because you have lack of time and lack of space on screens too now, because, you know, we used to have big TVs and now we're on phones and have such yeah. a little more space. I think there's more and more misunderstanding, misunderstandings and things taken out of context more than ever before. It's definitely a challenge that a lot of people are facing right now. No doubt. No doubt. See how we, how we make it all work for our conversation and with what you do. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm looking at you right now, obviously, and you're looking at me, but the, you're in a hotel. It looks like, where are you at? Yes. What are you doing today? So I'm in a hotel. Um, I'm actually in a hotel in Los Angeles. I, you know, work from home a lot of days with, uh, I have a boyfriend. He's a music producer but on days where he's like recording live instruments, I can't do zooms from home because even though the stu you know, the studios, you know, closed up and isolated and that sort of thing, I'm still with what you would hear drums right now for sure. If I was there. <laughs> well, that could be fun. I could break up my guitar. 
Yeah, and, and so you, a lot of times I work out of WeWorks, but if I'm doing Zooms or podcasts, uh, I find that the sound is not very good because the rooms are like glass and bouncy. So I actually use dayuse.com a lot of times as my office to, especially if I'm doing things that are more audio focused, because I feel like that's a better fix on the go than using an empty office space just because it doesn't have enough things in the room to absorb sound and it gets super echoey. So yeah. I'm actually not traveling anywhere. I just use this as an office. <laughs> That's awesome. I've done the same actually being on like a, like a trip somewhere with family and uh, you know, I got a call cause it was a big hack. I am a cybersecurity expert, but I got a, it was a Bloomberg cheddar, and Newsmax that I appeared on in one day during this big breach. And I, I did the same thing. I literally went and just rented a set because we had a villa, right? And there was nowhere really private in the multi-bedroom villa to do these huge nationwide TV appearances. So I went down the street to the JW and just rented a room. That's it. J didn't sleep there or anything just to do the appearances because it was quiet. Yeah, I do that all the time. Dayuse.com is great for that. Um, I, I use it a lot for those kind of situations. And when I'm on vacation with family or my boyfriend, like especially when we go to Hawaii, for example, sometimes I have calls that are, you know, mainland, they're 5 a.m. Yeah. And I don't want to disrupt our, our villa or house or whatever. So sometimes I go get a separate hotel room just for that purpose. And especially in a place like Hawaii, they don't have co-working spaces, at least not on like the side of like Maui I'm staying in, for example. So a hotel room really is kind of the the only option if you have to do a call where you, you don't want to disturb everybody else. Yeah, right on. That's that's a cool point, you know, and I'm curious as to how this transitions over into media too, like TikTok or whatever, because there's, there's a quality, of course, you know, there's a quality in having the raw, the real. You know, as in like the, the R-E-A-L, not the R-E-E-L that we're used to posting and everything, but <laughs> nice little pun. But yeah, the, the, the real, the, the, the reality, how about that? So of that you're in a hotel room, I'm bed in a hotel room, we can use dayuse.com or whatever. But at the same time, there's value in the appearance of things still. I mean, if you look at somebody like Gary Vee, it's like his stuff is gritty, but it's intentionally gritty. There's still intention that goes into the content that he produces and the way that it looks. What trends are you seeing and what can you add to that? Yeah, I think Gary Vee's a good reference because it's interesting. We're actually probably not seeing what his most of his day-to-day -day life looks like because it's too glamorous and that doesn't lend his, itself to the brand. Like we're not seeing, I'm sure he's on jets. I'm sure he's in really nice hotel rooms. I'm sure yeah. he's you know, ha it has a bunch of different luxuries in his life just by default. I'm not saying he's like overspending or anything, but just by default, I'm being able to do the amount of things that he's doing and to be able to stay comfortable. And that stuff's purposefully being omitted because that doesn't lend itself to the message that he's trying to share to people. So, I, you know, I think that that's, you know, really interesting. But yeah, I think, you know, it, it this kind of stuff comes down to branding in general. Um, branding is really important. And artists, branding is really important for like individuals and, you know, celebrity executives like Gary Vee and, you know, podcast hosts like yourself and all different other types of people. And I think we're just because we're in a position in the world right now where everything can be captured all the time because we all have a good quality phone in our hands now. We didn't have that 10 years ago. Yeah. We have to be thinking even more all the time about where we're at appearance, how that's being captured how we edit it to go and share that with, you know, people on Facebook, even if it is only to hundred people, what those hundred people see can really matter. So yeah, it's something we're thinking about all the time. That's interesting. I, I mean, 
you're talking Backstreet Boys, right? Is where you started with a newsletter, and that, those were also in the days of like MySpace, right? <laughs> I mean, the early but early so days. Newsletter, was, newsletter I, I call it like the AOL era is when I was doing the newsletter. So it's kind of like AOL made the internet widely popular, and then you go into like MySpace after that. Um, but yeah, the newsletter days were the, like the AOL era, era. So even pre MySpace. Yeah. And you were only 12 and that was going, that's, that's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I had like my, I had this big, thick HTML book and I learned how to like design newsletters with it and make like little mini websites. They're horrible, but I still could like get them up to exist. So I was proud of that. Yeah, no um, doubt. I loved using the internet to connect with people and to sort of express my adoration for the Backstreet Boys, but then it also turned into adoration for other things. Like I remember I had an Ashton Kutcher fan site. I actually found it recently and it's still up and it's terrifying and I would have no idea how to get it down. Um, <laughs> it it haunts you, right? <laughs> Everything on the internet yeah. lives forever. <laughs> I know. You use the logins. You're like, I wouldn't even know how to get that, <laughs> that thing down. Um, and then, then I also like made a website about like my favorite, like tacos in Louisville, Kentucky. So like there, you know, but I, I liked using it to like, sort of like express my adoration for things that I thought were fun. That's awesome. That's a cool approach to everything, you know, cause it's a, and here's a, here's something else that I picked up and I would love for you to speak and give me your insight on this because I, I see so many that will try to go on and produce something, right. But they feel, I, I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. You're like, I'm trying to do what my audience is going to want. And I'm like, dude, there's some value in that. But at the same time, like, you're not going to blow up unless you're literally just being who you are, you know? So, so why would you try to like put content out there that you think people will want? It's like, whose head are you in besides your own? Yeah. And that's just not a good reason to do content. Cause if you're making content because you're, because you think other people, you know, will it'll resonate with other people. Like there, you know, there is some good in that in the sense of maybe you're trying to help people, you're trying to teach people. But at the end of the day, if you're doing something because, you want other people to like you that, you know, take the internet aside. That doesn't work out well for people. If you're doing something because you think other people want you to do it, you're not going to like yourself. You're at some point, you're going to make decisions where you prioritize other people over yourself and you kind of lose who you are. And, you know, again, I like to take the internet out of equations a lot, a lot of times and just kind of compare it to like general philosophies and in real life. And, if you're doing stuff for other people all the time, you're going to lose yourself and you're actually probably going to lose the people too that are following you. You, well, yeah, you have get to get bored at some point because it's going to be the same thing over and over. Whereas as people, I yeah. think that we change constantly, you know, we evolve. Totally. Absolutely. We evolve all the time. I, I, I change nonstop. And I think, you know, I used to like kind of feel like I didn't know who I was or, you know, know myself because of that. But then I realized part of me is that I, change and evolve nonstop. That's like who I am. I, you know, I, I sort of struggled with a while, you know, for a second, I was reading all these, you know, self-help books and there's are a lot of good things in self-help books. And, you know, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of self-help type of content too. the kind of, you know, you know, on the back of self-help books. And I feel like that was really my algorithm at some point. And, you know, a lot of those things talk about like routine and how important that is. And I realized I'm not, I'm like a, I, I'm a phases person versus a daily routine person. And I think once I accepted that, I stopped chasing all these like 
habits that didn't make me happy. And I feel, I I feel much more at peace about that because I'm just not going to be the person that wakes up and meditates every morning. And I know that's great for some people. That's just like not who I am. I might go through a phase where I do that, but that's not going to be me every day forever. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Right on. I appreciate that, uh, that authenticity perspective that you have, because it's a, that's all it is. I mean, I, I can even look back at even, let's just say this show, right. When I first started this, cause I mean, it's 360 something episodes now, you know, four wow. years old, it's been, it's matured, you know, and I, I yeah. take a li- listen to the, to the first episodes. And even though I had a branding agency, it was still like I was being fit into this box that when I listened that they wanted me to be, you know, and, and it wasn't really until I started not caring about that and just be like, Hey, this is me. You know, this is, a, yeah. I'm, I'm Dory. Like, well, like even today when I said the artist's name wrong, right? We're not going to cut that in post because it's just, it's just funny. I'm human. I freaking make mistakes when we're on stuff like this, you know, and it's just how it is. We just roll past it. It's like, I've taken a company public and you've done amazing things with big artists, but we're still freaking people. Yeah. We still make a lot of mistakes and there's things that there's always something that everyone hasn't done before. Right. So we're always going to be like trying something new for the first time and not have experience at it and not be good at it. And that's okay. It doesn't matter, you know, how great you are at one thing. It doesn't mean that you're, that you're automatically, automatically experienced at everything else. Yeah. Right. And that's, totally fine. <laughs> no joke. I'm really bad at most things. And I think sometimes I, you know, don't do things that I want to do because I feel like I'm not going to be good at it, but it's, you know, something that I'm, you know, currently working on getting over in a lot of circumstances because I, that doesn't mean I shouldn't try just because I'm not going to be good at it. I feel like sometimes I get this sort of complex of feeling like I have to be good at everything I'm doing. And that's just, that's ridiculous. And nobody will ever be able to do that. So just working through the like mental psyche around that is, is hard. I think for me and a lot, I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to that as well. Right on, right on. Now let's, let's kind of shove that into the big time artist arena, you know, everything that we're talking about, because let's be real. I mean, even every, every human being has an ego. But a lot of the the big the big artists they've got like exponential egos, you know. The, the, there's some really really down to earth ones that exist, but then there's other ones that are like I'm the greatest, you know. I mean, I won't say any names. Beyonce, sorry, excuse me, I had a bit of a cough there. But, <laughs> but how how do you balance that exactly? What we're talking about, like the authenticity, because I could see an artist's need for performance you know, in entertainments and let's be real. Sometimes they, they really do like take on a role when they take the stage, you know, yes. how do they, how do you help them become approachable in social and other forms of media to where people want to follow them and they can actually like them and stick around with them for a long time, not because they're famous, but because they're human, like we're talking about. Yeah. So something that, you know, I teach this to a lot of my staff, but something that I think is really important when working with artists is to figure out how to empathize with them. Because if we can't figure out how they got there in certain complex moments, we're not going to be able to help them. So, you know, you you kind of have to think about this, like going on stage and playing in front of 15,000 people and then going from that to going to your hotel room and being alone. Those are like so drastically far apart 
And that's such a hard high low to come down from. Mm-hmm. And I think just acknowledging that and acknowledging like, you know, even being able to grasp like 1% of putting myself in that person's shoes. I think sometimes it kind of can make me understand celebrities behaviors better and how to help them better. But I think just try, you know, I'll never be in that situation. So I can't fully empathize with it, but even like trying to and realizing that like what they've been through is not normal. I think it really helps me and our, our, my team members be able to communicate with them in a way to kind of, you know, pull the things that are, are human out of them because it's so their perspective, you know, if you're doing that, your perspective is going to be warped. You're not going to view life the same way that other people do. And I think a lot of times they don't realize some of the things they do are human or are interesting. And we're there to kind of help point that out and be a sounding board and reassure them that certain things that they do or don't want to share on social media are good, or maybe they don't have perspective and they want to share something that they think is really great and they have the best intention, but we're like, no, that's not going to be received well. And I don't judge you for not understanding why it wouldn't be received well, but trust me, it won't be received well. Um, But I think it starts with being able to understand that their perspective is going to be completely different than mine. And that doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that they're egotistical. It just means that their life is very different. And I have to figure out a way to sort of see the world through their lens a tiny bit so we can communicate in some productive way. Yeah. I think Donald Trump needs your help. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like I, you know, I, even pre, you know, him being in the Oval Office, I, I think about so many times with somebody like him or even like an Elon Musk. And I'm like, if they just would have talked to me or somebody like me, they could have changed three things in this post. And it would have like, it would have been so yeah. much more productive. Think about that all the time, to be honest. For sure. I bet you do. You see, you see the vomit of words, right? And you're like, oh, you cringe. And it's like, it, that, that's like the rise and the fall of a lot of these big figures that are out there, especially when they yeah, start and, tweeting their, uh, on their own. They don't have someone like yeah, you. No, and, and like, you know, for example, I saw Elon Musk tweet something. He's like, you know, more celebrities should tweet for themselves. You know, all of them have, you know, teams or something like that. And I'm like, that's not exactly true. Like just because somebody has a team doesn't mean they don't tweet for themselves. And at this point, most celebrities are like on logged onto Twitter and posting themselves. I would say 15 years ago, definitely not the case. I was like, you know, or 10 years ago, I was begging them, please, you know, get on Twitter. And if you won't do it, like, can I, can I post for you and run it by you? You know, that's where it started, but that's not where it really is at this point. Yeah. But if he would have talked to a me before he posted that, somebody could have been like, Hey, I know why you think that but it's actually not true or let's verify that. Like I, I like to be that person to think about, I totally understand why you want to say that, but let's think about it for a second or let's get a second opinion or let's verify that fact. Like I like to be that person. And a lot of times people don't listen and they say, I don't care. I'll take the consequences. I want to do it. But I do see moments like that with, you know, people, you know, powerful people that are, you know, tweeting, very strong opinions. And I'm like, Oh, like your opinion would have been received. The same opinion would have been received so much better if you changed like one little thing about how you conveyed it. So I think everyone should have like, especially if you, if you're, if you're in a position where your tweets can affect the stock market, you should be running by other people before they go out. In my opinion. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of sway is limited to very few. And I, I know I mentioned totally. two names that actually have that kind of sway. 
I mean, not even the president of the United States has that kind of sway right now on Twitter. It's, it's pretty incredible seeing the dichotomy between that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, where are things going from here? You know, I'm going to pick your brain just for a little bit because we've got the potential ban on TikTok. I think Montana was the first state, right, that completely banned it. We're looking at some of the, I've done media appearances on this, you know, and I, I look at it from a security perspective, but I also see it from, it'd be cool if maybe we went back to the original plan in the previous administration. This is nothing about Trump itself. It just makes sense from a security perspective that that company is owned, U.S. owned because of the, the international dynamics with security. But where is all this stuff going? I mean, with Instagram, with the verification from your perspective, you know, the, the, the meta verified Twitter blue, TikTok, all of that. What do you see? So I'll talk on verification first, because I'm, I'm very fascinated by what's happening Me with too. that right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, ver- so if you think about it, if you go back to the origin of like verification, verification existed to show that that account was not an imposter. It was not like, it was not meant to be a notoriety badge, but that's what it kind of became over time. But, you know, fast forward a decade later, we're kind of in a position now in social media where normal people, everyday people that aren't celebrities are getting, you know, getting their content stolen and being repositioned as fake people. It's you being used for scam and that sort of thing. So in that perspective, I do like verification kind of going back to what it was actually originally meant to do, which was to be a badge that shows, hey, this person is who they say they are. It's actually Cassie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually whoever, because before only celebrities really had to worry about that issue, but now everyone has to worry about that issue. It's kind of like, I know on dating uh, sites, you can get verified. So I kind of view it like that. I know there's a lot of flaws in the verification system. I remember a friend of mine, uh, Matthew Coma pretended he made his Twitter profile to be Gwyneth Paltrow verified. I think it was just kind of one, it was hilarious like what he was tweeting, but two, I think it was to sort of prove a point that the, Maybe the tech isn't caught up with the idea yet. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if he can go into Paltrow, there's clearly issues. But I think the idea of it is good. I just think we're going to go through a lot of little battles before we get there. I don't know if I agree with the idea of having to subscribe to it on an ongoing basis. I think verifying who you are should be like, I, I get that there's a cost affiliated with like technology to build that in you know, maintaining that from a staffing standpoint, I get that. So maybe it's a one-time fee to get verified. And I like, and again, I like the idea of subscription for different tools that you can use, but I think that should be more of like a marketing subscription versus like, I don't think you should have to pay ongoing to prove that you are who you are on the internet. I think one time small fee, cool. I'm cool with the idea of ongoing subscription-based services, but I think that it should be separate from the verification badge is my two cents. Yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot that I agree with you on that, especially on, you know, the added features part of it, you know, because uh, let's yeah. be real, because I mean, Facebook or Instagram, whatever, Meta, they, they did not allow just general creators to be able to access support when they needed, even if they were running ads, right? They, they really didn't yeah. have much support whatsoever, even though they were trying to build a business, right? I mean, even if they were only going to do $100,000 a year, you know, or they're making 50K a year, just trying to sell an online course or something, it's them. It's actually that person that they're interacting with, but they didn't have support. 
you know, and they couldn't get verified because they didn't have the actual notoriety that, that existed. But in addition to that, they had nobody to call or even email or chat to say, help me. I don't understand why my ad isn't running. Yeah, or help, yeah. help me, my account got locked out for some reason, or help me, like me at one point, I'm like, I've got like 18 fake accounts out there, can you please do something? Because every time I have my team report them and every random person report it, I get this thing that says that we don't see that they're violating community standards. I'm like, they're using all my shit. It's my photos. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and yeah. it, that's all it was, was this automated thing. And I'm like, come on now. So the added support, I am with you on that, you know, that we could have direct access rather than ha having like, like as, in, as individuals, rather than needing an agency that was a meta media partner that, to submit that kind of stuff for you. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, so my agency is a partner, so we have access to the portal and can, you know, help with a lot of these things. And a lot of times I would, you know, if somebody had a small one-off request, like imposter or somebody hacked their account, we would just help or help for a small rate because I knew that they didn't have another option, yeah, but I just yeah. don't necessarily want, that's not necessarily my wheelhouse in terms of clients that I want. And like, I don't want to bill like, you know, billing $200 and by the, you know, it, it's, it's a, I, my business is just not set up to like do like those kind of transactions, but I would help people because I knew that it was kind of, that or nothing. So yeah. I do like that there, there's being an, you know, an in between. And I do understand that that is a cost for Meta or for Twitter or for any company to be able to have staff to do that. So I understand why that should cost money. Um, so I, you know, I hope that that's in the direction it goes because if people are using it for business, I think that's a really great feature to actually be able to have like a support line to call or to be able yeah. to actually get an imposter account down like that that's really really powerful so i'm i'm you know i hope you know i think there's a lot more to sort of hash out in terms of the logistics on that but i hope that's where it goes and it turns out well for a lot of people i'm with you and i'll get off the tech stuff in a bit because i mean security is kind of my thing and i like I like seeing people actually verifying who they really are that you know you're interacting with them you know th there's two things i'm saying like with uh you were talking about the scams you know now twitter has the gold check right which is for organizations and what shifted my mind because original was like, what the blue tick means nothing anymore. That was like my original reaction with everybody else. But then I'm starting to see that somebody like Verizon has the gold tick and then all of their 20 something accounts underneath Verizon, like Verizon business on Twitter, Verizon customer care on Twitter, Verizon sales, you know, Verizon, all this other stuff, all of their individual accounts that are now also having this blue tick because they're officially part of the organization as a whole. So if you get a, a message from like Verizon underscore deals with a Z or something that says, Hey, I've got a special promo for you an iPhone 14 pro max for 50 bucks. Just Venmo me the money. You know, th that's it. And I'll send you the phone. It's clearly a scam, but now you can tell just because they have that, that gold tick that it's an actual Verizon account. If they don't have it, then you know, it can be a scam because it's not actually Verizon that you're interacting with. That's one of the beautiful things that I see about this. It's going to protect people. Yeah, it will long-term. And I understand the, like the growing pains with it, but I do yeah. see long, -term, I see a lot of upsides to it. I really do. Yep. We're going to see now too, because Gmail, uh, Gmail released a verification system just recently for their email for organizations. 
So when you when you interact with somebody, there's a there's a cost associated. We're doing it. We're, you know, my company's a public cybersecurity company. It costs somewhere around three thousand dollars a year to do this because you have to install all this digital certificates, verify your organization, all of those things. But now you'll see because of the scams that come across an email, even way more than social media. You'll see if you have a Gmail account, you will see a verified organization or an email somebody that has an email with a verified organization have that blue check mark on their profile pic when you receive the email. Yeah, I really, really like that too, because one time a staff member of mine fell for one of those scams. You know, they get one of the, the emails that says, hi, it's Cassie, and I need you to go buy the gift cards. And, you know, and they, they did it. They went and like spent $3,000 and bought $3,000 worth of Spotify gift cards. And there's, and there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Um, it, it's a horrible situation. I'm sure that happens all the time to people. Um, and, you know, we have a whole company policy of how to like, you know, deal with that and to make sure you always check the email and stuff. But a tool like that could save a lot of automatic like intuition and thinking and, and time. Right so on. I'm, I'm happy with that. Right on. I got, I got a rapid fire question for you. Ready for this favorite artist you've ever worked with? <laughs> the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. <laughs> I was curious. All right. Least. They're always my answer <laughs> yeah. they, for my whole life. Like, you know, favorite client now, but the, you know, favorite when I was a kid forever and always. That's awesome. Uh, now I could say it nicely and say least favorite artist, but I'll just say it worst artist you've ever worked with. It's interesting. I, I mean, I don't know if I have like a worst artist I've worked with and I, I don't know if I would want to publicly name anybody, but it's interesting. I feel like a lot of times the people you would think the worst are actually really great. And some of the people you think are great are actually really horrible human beings. Well, that's to that. Um, How about somebody that the, the public might've thought was really horrible and, but yet they turned out to be really great. Um, Ooh, let's see. Who would the public think is really horrible? I mean, you know, we work with a lot of comedians and I think sometimes people would maybe think they're tough, but they can actually be really fun. Like we did some work with, uh, you know, like Burt Kreischer for a little bit. And, you know, I think that hurts a lot of people that could seem kind of like a tough client on the front end, but he actually was really smart and, you know, has a lot of input and a lot of really great ideas and really fast to respond. And actually I think probably would have, you know, maybe been better to work with than a lot of people got. So yeah, just that, that's awesome. Next rapid fire for you. Somebody who has zero connections. What's the first step for them to get involved in the music business? Always go local. That's how I got involved. I've, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, not exactly a music industry Mecca, but I found local bands that I could help and get experience with, whether it was selling merchandise at their shows, or I was helping them run their peer volume pages at the time. Um, helping them post flyers about their show, but there's always a local band who is lacking resources that you can help and start building your resume that way. That's awesome. Last question. This one's a little more open-ended for you because I, this one, I, I'm, I'm really interested in what you have to say. I, I love, I love employing women in tech because it's a very lopsided industry from a gender perspective. You know, and I think women just bring an absolute brilliance to a lot of things that they do. What advice would you have for women who are looking to start their entrepreneurial business, especially in social media? I would just say there's no way you're going to not feel like the odd one out. Sometimes you're going to go to meetings or conferences 
or even sit in first class and be the only woman sometimes. Um, but, and that can make you feel really isolated and make you feel really down on yourself. But it's really important to keep going and to stay in it because that's the only way that you're not going to go sit in first class one day and it not be 50-50. Um, you just, even though you feel alone, it's inevitable, it's going to happen a lot. Just, it's really important to stick it out because that's sticking it out is what is going to make it change for people in the future. That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing from your heart today. For real, that was amazing. Of course. <laughs> I appreciate you being on. I would love to stay connected because you're awesome. And for everyone else, where can they connect with you the best? I'm mostly on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, just my name, uh, Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E, Petrie, P-E-T-R-E-Y. And I don't post all that frequently, surprisingly, even though I run a social media agency, but I am, I actually spend a lot of time DMing people. Um, so if you want to, chat or have a question or comment i'm i check my dms every day and happy to have a conversation cassie petrie everyone she's amazing connect with her follower i love her and you should too all right thanks cassie thank you